But before we look forward, let me give you a, a status report uh, on PPH, on Pasir Panjang Hill Brethren Church. <coughs> to show you our average overall church attendance, and it comprises the English assemblies, that is this service, and the 1115 service, the Chinese assembly, the youth, which is called Laojen, TLG, it means Telugu, and then we have the total numbers. So you can see that um, there is the purple one, which is overall, there is steady growth, but the growth is steady, but it's slight, it's very slight. It's uh, from last year to this year, uh, sorry, from 2015 to 2016, the growth overall among all our congregations was only 2%. Um, it's actually slightly higher than 2% in the English assemblies and in the Telugu congregations. For some reason, the Chinese assembly attendance has fallen a little bit. But whatever, it's 2% is 3%. It's not high. Baptisms last year was 39. Uh, and I think if you look at the last three years, I like that trend. It looks very nice. But baptism actually is, we, when we look at PPH, um, I think that we, we shouldn't only just look at the confines of PPH or even the confines within the shores of Singapore because as a small church, we do have uh, a bigger impact uh, around the world. So two weeks from now, we will have a Mission Sunday and I hope that singing will be able to, to show you some of the impact we've had in foreign lands and, as well. So if we... Uh, look at baptisms. Uh, we ought to really to be looking at baptisms in the many countries that we are involved in. But let's take a closer look at PPH's uh, demographic profile and what this might mean for us in the future. Uh, you, if you start from the left, uh, it may not be very clear. Cool, cool, uh, for some of you who do not know what it means, it's uh, kids only once in life. Okay, I think I got it right. right? Cool club. Um, so we start with cool crash, and uh, that is, uh, I think, uh, zero to two years old, and we have 10. Then there is uh, cool tots, toddlers, 45, and uh, the cool club, that means those already in primary school, primary one to primary six, um, and that's 40. 40. So roughly 9,500 people. If you look at our youth ministry, YM, or otherwise called Laojen, now I forgot what Lao means, but it's, there is a meaning, go find out, L-O-U-D. So Laojen, or youth ministry, very small numbers. We've only got 36. And this is from secondary one to polytechnic. Um, and then we look at our young adults. Young adults primarily the, the second service, uh, the university students and, and those going into the working world. Um, 100. Actually, yeah, 100. Oh, by the way, I, I also need to tell you that in our youth ministry, that 36 people there, 89% or nearly 90% of those in the youth have parents in PPH. So we don't have so many people from, from outside uh, the church family. And then adults, adults is roughly 200, meaning people here, actually here is about 250. And then we have SAF. Who can tell me what is SAF? Don't, don't say it's slow and forgetful, okay? Don't say. Only I can say. Because uh, I'm going to reach that group very soon. 
Uh, it's steadfast and faithful, okay? So arbitrarily, I've just taken above 60 years old. I've just, okay, just gasa a number above 60, and there's about 70 uh, of us there. You know, in any organization, what is the ideal shape of the demographic profile? It ought to be a pyramid, right? ought to be a pyramid. Lots of young people, and then they grow into adulthood and into SAF. But ours is not. Ours is... Uh, like parallel and then with a little waist, uh, <laughs> a small waist at our youth. And it just doesn't look right. Um, so this is what it is. This is what PPH is. And then, if you, and then we have converts. So some converts would join the, the church family. Um, last year, we had 41 people pray to receive Christ with us, and the year before, 42, the year before, 25. Uh, so let's take a closer look at what this means, those who pray to receive Christ uh, with us. Okay, who are these converts? In 2016, of the 41 people we pray together to receive Christ, 39% come from Teban Gardens, almost 40%. Uh, the year before, 24%. The year before, 20%. So let's just look at 2016. And of the 41 converts, 34% are from the Chinese-speaking, the Chinese uh, assembly. And then if you look at Lao Jen, yeah, 7 out of the 41. Then the rest are just twos. Okay, so the majority of uh, people who pray to receive Christ, and I, I make a distinction between people who pray to receive Christ and those who enter the church family get baptized because there's sometimes a gap. Majority are from Teban Gardens. Majority are from the Chinese Assembly. Um, some of them would return home to the home country. Many, in fact, go back to China. Be like parents of our members. They come here. They get converted. Then they go back to China. So we don't see them anymore. Some of them even backslide immediately. We can't find them anymore. Uh, but many stay. Uh, some also leave us. Um, that arrow there, it's very hard to, to determine these numbers because some leave and then a couple of weeks later they come back and then they leave three months and then they come back six months. So it's roughly 10 a year. Uh, it's just a very rough guess would, would leave us. So this is the system in PPH, right? We've got this demographic profile. We've got people coming uh, praying to receive Christ, some will stay, some will not stay, and then we've got people who leave us, some permanently, and some just uh, uh, intermittently. Well, this is where I want to tell you that I'm a very selfish pastor, because uh, especially for people who get married here, okay, guys, uh, when you get married, uh, you must love your wife so much uh, that you would join your wife in PPH. Right? And then girls... When you get married, you must submit to your husband. Submit to your husband and so come to PPH. So we win-win. Okay? That's the rule for, for PPH. Uh, but seriously, what we need to do is to make it difficult for people to leave PPH. Right? Because if you're so loved and you're so cared for, you simply cannot leave. So let's make it really difficult for anybody to leave PPH. But actually, I'm not sure if many of you are even very interested in these numbers because they're just macro uh, stuff. And we need to go beyond the numbers to the individual. 
How is this church meeting your needs? And how is this church and the leaders in this church helping you to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in 2017? And in that particular stage of your life, whether you're in cool club or young adults or, or youth or you are a senior. So uh, a, a key initiative this year is uh, what is called the Whole Life Inventory. This is a tool developed by Focus on the Family and which we want to use. It is an online tool, which means that we will want to have uh, all of us participate online to, to answer some questions. And I really hope that it, it's a bit troublesome, all right? You need to log in and it's, it's absolutely confidential and then you need to fill up, uh, uh, answer some questions. And it is about an assessment of the health of PPH and of its members at each life stage. And then we will know much, much better how to meet the needs of our members. And it covers five core areas under here, faith, identity, relationships, sexuality, and values. So let me go through quickly each one of these areas in turn. In faith, it will try to assess um, you, your relationship with God. It will try to assess how you are experiencing faith at home. Uh, how is your faith working itself out in a home? And then it talks about how do members perceive church support for faith at home in terms of adequacy. That means how is the church helping you in daily life and not just come here for uh, a grand worship once a week. So that's under faith. Under identity, it asks to what extent do your members do us here recognize and fulfill our purpose and calling in Christ. It asks, how influential is the family in discovering and fulfilling one's purpose? That means not just you individually, but among your family. And lastly, how does the church support that? Your identity. And then relationships. Again, how positive is the quality of relationship between spouses? How's the family doing? Uh, how positive is the quality of relationship between parent and child, child and parents? And then lastly, are uh, church members experiencing close relationship within the church family? And under sexuality, how conducive are family environments at home as well as in church and culture for developing healthy sexuality? Uh, do we have social support if we do have uh, sexual issues. That means is the church close enough to be able even to discuss that? And, and, and thirdly, how well do parents care for the children's sexual sexuality development? Or we say, oh, leave it to the school, leave it to Sunday school. How well do we do that? And I think the last one is about values. Uh, what kind of challenges do we face in living out a biblical worldview? Do we make decisions using a biblical worldview? And uh, is the church um, helping uh, and our, our members, uh, each one of us, engaging non-believers and society at large where we work in social issues according to a biblical worldview? So it's, it's a little bit complicated. It calls for some effort, but I really would like to have 100% uh, of PPH members uh, do this uh, so-called uh, survey. Uh, it's been done in 12 churches already. 
and some 7,600 people have done it. So the larger the sample size, the better it is for, for us as well as for the, the, the church in Singapore. So uh, a, tip, uh, a brethren church who has done it is uh, Bethesda Pasiris Mission Church. And I actually went to look at their, their results from their senior pastor, and I believe it is good. Then there are Baptists, there are Methodists, and there are Presbyterians who have done it. What are some findings so far? Uh, I have to present this so that you have some idea, okay? Uh, but it may influence you when you finally do the, the, the questionnaire, but never mind. So the finding so far is one in four Christian parents have never prayed and never worshipped with their children. One in four. And 52% of respondents say they keep thinking about what the direction is. They do not know their identity and what their direction in life is. So maybe after we incorporate PPH uh, data, this whole thing will change. Uh, but cannot be. Uh, you know. <laughs> 7,600, we, we are only a few hundred here. Uh, what other pilot findings? 30% of Christians have viewed pornography at least once in the last six months. So it continues to be a problem among Christians. And this statement, I would go overseas with my boyfriend or girlfriend alone as a couple, even if we could face sexual temptations with each other. 54% of dating or engaged adults agree with this statement. Yes, they would. No matter the risk, they would go. And this statement, it is okay for people to pursue a course of study that leads to a lucrative career, even if it is not in their area of interest or calling. And 46% of youth agree with this Statement. So these are all very interesting data, somewhat unexpected sometimes, uh, but interesting data, and I think it helps us to then nurture and to, to teach uh, as a church. So these are the five areas that would be looked at, and, uh, and I also hope that through this uh, inventory exercise, we get a better demographic uh, data on, on, on PPH, uh, it's, it's very, very difficult to, to get that because we are not a church that does surveys, right? I cannot remember the last one. All we have are membership data. When you become a member, you sign up, and then we sort of know roughly uh, uh, your age and all that. But otherwise, we don't. So I hope that you will cooperate and help us so that we can then plan better for the health of the flock. So this is one initiative. We will launch it on the 19th of February. We'll announce uh, uh, more later. So 19th February. Okay, I'm always asked, um, like, beginning of the year, beginning of every year, so what is the focus for 2017? And I never get tired of saying that our focus is an evergreen focus, so I don't have to change the sermon every time. It's evergreen. So the, whether we have the whole life inventory or not, our purpose is always the same, to magnify God and to do so by how? By obeying the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Greatest commandment. And your neighbor as yourself. And then to obey the great commission, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that the Lord has commanded. And, and I never get tired of saying that this must be an evergreen uh, focus. And hence we develop that into, into five M's uh, to help us to, to remember it better. And it, 
applies not only at the church level, it also applies at the cell group level, it also applies at the individual, the me level. And it's all about a balanced view of discipleship and maturity. And as, as disciples, as Christ followers, we will grow in the fruit of the Spirit. That is the M for maturity, spiritual maturity. We will minister, we will serve. That's the second, uh, another M. We will reach the lost. Uh, we will make disciples. That's another M for missions. And we will glorify God. We will magnify God. And we will bring people into membership in the church family. So each M reinforces uh, the other. If you're not spiritually mature, then you might be serving out of your own flesh. If you are spiritually not mature, then you would not really be thinking about reaching out to, to anybody. And, and, and so it all uh, uh, reinforces one another. And sometimes when you minister, the more you minister, the more mature you become. Right? So it all is ba- in, in balance. And I want to come back to this diagram what resources do we have as a church to make disciples? And you can see that arrow on the bottom left, we have the resources of prayer, we have the resources of mature Christians, and we have the resources of finance. And I want to say that this year is going to be a year of difficult undertakings. So I showed my draft to to somebody uh, in church, and it was pointed out to me, the word difficult might make it very uh, difficult. <laughs> no, I, actually, he didn't say that. It might make it uh, very discouraging. Uh, actually, my, my initial sentence was, this will be a difficult year of difficult under- undertakings. So, let's not talk about difficult. Let's talk about challenging. Okay, this will be a challenging year. The first challenge is prayer. That is the, the ultimate resource that every Christian has and every church and every cell group has. If you want this church to grow, then we need to pray. If you look at the weaknesses in this demographic profile, uh, I would say maybe among the youth and, and even in, in the, the, the children, then we need to focus more prayer on our children and on our youth. But the problem is we, in prayer, we start out in the year very good, like we can have three prayer meetings on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays, and then after that we fizzle out. So let's persevere in prayer. Let this year be a year where we can persevere in prayer. And then we begin to see results as the Lord responds. I talk about the, the... So prayer, the second resource is mature Christians. Um, I'll talk more about that later. The third resource is finance. Finance is never a problem for us. Okay, as long as I've been pastor in this church, I, I never even think about finance because once we issue the call for a worthwhile project, we always get enough uh, money. So... We want to instead be able to, to spend uh, or know how to spend more on creative ways to make disciples, whether they are in programs or, or people, especially people. And we are still looking out for a full-time children's uh, pastor. So those are the things on, on finance, which is not really a big problem. But let's talk about committed, mature disciples. And, and you and I know that 2% growth means that one of our weak areas is in personal evangelism. So a very important undertaking this year is Evangelism Explosion. Some of you would know this program has been in existence for a very long time. We want to see a new motivation in all our relationship as, uh, with, with non-believers. We want to see love and compassion that reaches out to our friends, our neighbours, our loved ones. 
who are non-believers, uh, and we will embark on a church-wide effort called Evangelism Explosion. It starts with a full-day seminar, which I hope will be populated just like this. Okay, no dropouts on the 10th of May, Visak Day. And then we will continue with um, the Evangelism Explosion training, which uh, comprises five sessions, two and a half hours each. Is it difficult? Yeah, challenging. Not difficult. And on top of that, another four sessions of OJT, on-the-job training. That means you actually go out and talk to somebody uh, about Christ. My flesh, my nature tells me that this is too much to ask. This is too much to ask for the people here in PPH. But there's an inner voice. The spiritual man tells me, no, not so. In fact, PPH is ready for this challenge. That the more difficult the undertaking, the more we will thrive on it. No amen. Hey, come on. And, and we need a touch from the Lord. Seriously, we need a touch from the Lord. We need a fresh impetus to do this. For an explosion in evangelism. And it's about obeying the Lord's great commission. This is, this is our purpose statement. It's about sincerely caring for lost people within our own network of friends, of colleagues and and, and, and fellow students and all that. It's about building and deepening these relationships in our network. It's about being a witness for Christ, just to live our lives, and, and it's just a way of life to be able to tell what God has done in our lives and to just share that. And it's about being equipped, and yes, we do need to be equipped to more effectively share the gospel. And eventually, not just that, but to make disciples, to train and motivate others to do the same. And therefore, if you're able to do that, it'll be an explosion, right? It'll be growing exponentially, growing explosively. So I want all of us to be able to enjoy the kind of joy uh, that you get from from carrying a 12-hour-old baby, which I had, right, on the last day of last year. This is Caleb I showed you uh, last Sunday, I think. Uh, Caleb is a baby of uh, our pastor Wuxia and her husband, Barry. And that joy far exceeds all the difficulties, all the challenges of carrying the baby. And she carried the baby uh, like nine months and one week and all that. So, so heavy. But once the baby, there's new life, you, you forget about all that. That is, has been a great challenge overcome. And now you focus on, on new life and, and the baby. And, and that's the kind of joy I like to have. Also, it applies to a new convert, a new baby uh, in Christ, this 88-year-old uh, mother of my friend uh, led to Christ. And then you see the peace just fills her heart. And, and the joy that flows, overflows to the family. And I think of a God who would wait 88 years, waiting ready for this lady to come to Him and then to offer forgiveness of sins and free salvation in Christ. That's the kind of God who loves, whose grace is just overpowering. And I read recently, uh, Psalm 130, verse 7, it says, Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with Him is plentiful redemption. No matter how bad you've fallen, it is redeemable, and God redeems. There is plentiful redemption. And how do I know that this 88-year-old lady responded in faith or 
and she wasn't like being pressurized by the children or some of her Christian children to, to become a Christian. You know, soon after we prayed the, the sinner's prayer, <coughs> and she said, Amen. Yes, I, 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 I accept. She said, she asked me, can I eat pork from now onwards? I, I tried very hard not to laugh. I said, of course you can eat. You can eat all the pork in the world. You're 88 years old. I said, there's no stipulation in Christianity that you cannot eat pork. But you know why? She was prepared for difficulties ahead as a Christian. She was prepared for the challenging task of being a Christian. That she was even prepared to give up pork. So I know that her faith is, is genuine. Uh, but this, by the way, is not the test of <laughs> becoming a Christian, right? But God's love is such that you don't have to earn anything. You don't have to give up pork. You don't have to, to do anything to earn it. And God says, I give you everything. Now your response is what? Your response is love. Your response is evangelism explosion. And we hope too that uh, at the end of uh, July, following the training in evangelism explosion, we will then do a church-wide alpha course in English. You know, our Chinese brethren and sisters have been doing alpha course for I don't know how many years. But every time we think about it in, in the English service, we think, too difficult. Too difficult. Let's go this year. and Let's invite our friends and come here for an alpha course. And let's see what those numbers will be like next year in terms of people praying to receive Christ. This year, I also hope, I talked about this last year, it didn't happen. This year, I also hope that we can open up a second centre of witness in Teban Gardens. It continues to be Block 50, uh, but now we are a bit clearer and uh, we want to establish an after-school care centre for primary school kids. So when they finish school, they come to us and then we will release them, I think, at about 7pm. And we also would like to reach the secondary schools around us. If you saw our cool club numbers and uh, our youth ministry numbers, uh, they're kind of low and they're all within the church family, 90%. So let's be praying. We don't know how yet, whether we should just do a cold call and just knock on the door of the principal and say, here I am, we want to help. So let's be thinking about Commonwealth Secondary School. It is a good school. I was told that every school is a good school, but this is a good school. <laughs> and how, how do we reach uh, this school? Let's think even a little bit further about Tangling Secondary School, slightly further away. And, and let's just pray and ask the Lord for divine appointments and intervention so that we are clear that, hey, this is an open door, go through it. And so that many of uh, children from the community in secondary school children can then feed into our demographics of uh, training them in godliness, in Ku Club, in Lao Jen. Let me share another initiative uh, uh, for this year at a more personal level. Uh, we look forward to, to answering five questions personally. And I would like all of us to be able to answer these questions. What makes each day meaningful? What gives my life purpose? Would it be when I am with my loved ones, it's, it's really meaningful? When I can simply just enjoy fresh air in my evening daily walks? Simple answers. Or, or when I pray, it's really meaningful. Or when I am able to help the less fortunate, 
it is meaningful to me. It gives my life's purpose. The second question is, what can I not live without? What matters to me? Uh, durian? Okay. <laughs> some of us are the eat-to-live type and some of us are the live-to-eat type. So it's like, what can I live without? Or would it be my independence? I, I need to be independent. I do not want to be like uh, uh, dependent on, on somebody. Or what can I not live without? It's my ability to contribute to something, to contribute to society, to my family. And if I'm like an invalid, then, then I, 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 I really cannot live like that. It matters a lot to me. The third question, what or who helps me face serious challenges in my life. My loved ones, I'm able to share with them and they're concerned for me, they care for me. Or my religion gives me uh, strength. What helps me to face serious challenges in my life? Another question, have I experienced the death or near death of my loved ones? What have I learned from that experience? Would you have a spouse who would say, I don't care. I'm going to keep him alive at all costs. Uh, I think my wife said that once. Or are you thinking that, hey, life cannot just end at death, right? Surely that's not... Everything in... Every cell in my body tells me that that's not it. That life just doesn't end like that and, and it's over. Or what have I learned from this experience? That oh, I've got to do some good with my life. I've got to do some good with my life. And the last question, the most important aspect about my well-being, whether it's physical or mental, what are they? And some might answer that is being able to, to talk, being able to talk and converse with my loved ones, having the ability to touch and to hug my family, the ability to, to read or to listen to books would be mine, or, or even uh, mental stimulation by watching movies or something. And all these questions are, are very, have very important issues that each of us individually, no matter what our age, young or old, must consider. Have we thought through it? Does anybody know how you think about this? And have we discussed it with our loved ones? So, did these questions come from some Christian counselling guide that I happened to chance across? Or did it come from some Christian discipleship training material? No, it comes from a government-published workbook from the Ministry of Health. It's called ACP, Advanced Care Planning. And ACP is the process of planning for your future health and personal care, where you share your personal values and beliefs and goals for, for, for care with your loved ones and your healthcare providers, your doctors, your nurses, um, your therapists. You explore the healthcare preferences in difficult medical situations, including the end of life. And then you select a person to be your voice if you are unable to speak for yourself. If you are, have dementia or you lose the ability uh, to speak or if you are so weak at the end of life. So not only is this useful for us personally, but now we have an officially government-sanctioned tool to talk with our friends and also to talk with the community that we are involved in, in Teban Gardens. So what we intend to do is to start training all our full-time staff, uh, pastors and uh, those 
community pastors in our CSC and other volunteers to be officially accredited ACP facilitators. So after we train, we also want to... Uh, yeah, and when we are trained as these officially accredited facilitators, uh, we can facilitate conversations with, with anyone who, who wishes to talk about these things. And once we have finished this discussion and recorded the person's wishes down or what they're thinking about, this can be then lodged in the Ministry of Health or Computer System so that if this guy reaches the end of life or, or anything come unto what happens, then they have a record of what this person's wishes are. So it is as official as that. And then we also intend to train everybody in PPH or, or all the cappers, all those who go out four times a year knocking on doors in Tepang Gardens, community adoption and pastoring in what is called ACP advocacy, advanced care planning advocates. And then we can go around, any one of us, to our friends and relatives and going around Tepang Gardens uh, even in our capping, to advocate and say, hey, have you come across this uh, APC? Have you thought through it? Have you discussed this with your loved ones? And when a resident or a friend is ready to talk about it, then you can bring them to our trained facilitators and we can help them. <coughs> and it can be as official or unofficial as they like. If you want to have it lodged in the Ministry of Health System, we have the ability to do that. <coughs> and if they are open, and they have to be open, if you go through these questions, to talk about what is long-term, what is eternal, and even what is spiritual matters, what is life after death. It's just a natural way for us to, to share Christ and what we believe in. So I think that if they are willing to do the ACP, they must inevitably confront eternal issues, spiritual issues. Because God has said in His Word that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He also has set eternity in the hearts of men. So in the end, we trust that God has arranged eternity for us because Jesus tells us that He has gone to prepare a room for us in heaven. And it's kind of like a conversation a man might have uh, with, with his wife. You know, a man was probably going through these ACP questions with his wife in the, in the living room on the sofa. And after he thought through all this, he told the wife, you know, darling, never let me live in a vegetative state. That I'm totally dependent on machines and from liquids from bottles feeding me. If I ever get into that state, I want you to disconnect all the connections that are keeping me alive. I much rather die. And then the wife looked at the husband and said, wow, a new look of respect and admiration for this husband of hers. She got off the sofa, she went to the cable TV, she disconnected it. She went to the DVD, disconnected it. She went to the cell phone, disconnected it. Then she went to all the bottles of whiskey and beer in the fridge and she poured it down the sink. All disconnected. You get it, right? Uh, what is the moral of this story? I don't know. Anyway, so looking forward, we can expect um, the whole life inventory, remember? The whole life inventory, <coughs> 19th of Feb. <coughs> we can expect evangelism explosion, uh, 10th of May. Uh, following that, uh, July, Alpha course, 
and we can expect ACP training and conversations. I haven't got the dates yet. They have not responded. Ministry of Health has not responded to me, but we hope it will be soon. So, finally, who can interpret this? What does this mean? Three bags full, Baba, black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full. Or it could be this. <laughs> or it could be this. Okay. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you need to download and listen to El- Elder Edwin Chua. Very excellent, very important non sermonette last Sunday. You know why I call it a non-sermonette, right? Sermonette means it's small sermon. Because it was 41 minutes long. I went to check, 41 minutes long. Um, and he lied to me. You know, we, we initially gave him 10 minutes, and then in a very loyally negotiation with us, he said, we upped it to 20 minutes. But even then, I knew he would lie. So it, <laughs> it ended up at 41 minutes. In 41 minutes, he told us that we all have 8,760 hours that comes in 365 packages, right? You know that many hours in a year in 365 days. And if you listen intently to Edwin for these 41 minutes, you would, you would know how to fill all three bags. He used the word uh, boxes, but I think three bags full is easier to remember. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Three bags full. The first bag is about meeting uh, current needs and appetites. I think I have the OR. This is his slide. It's about consumption. It's about spending. And we need prudence in how to spend that time for consumption of our money and of our time. The second bag is about saving. It's about saving for the future. And we need wisdom in conserving resources now so that we can spend it in the future for future needs. Then the third bag, is about sowing for eternity. And more often than not, we may not even be the ones to reap what we sow or to even see any kind of results of what we sow for eternity. And I think of the children and the nephews of that 88-year-old lady, how they sowed for many years in faith, in talking, in bearing witness to the 88-year-old lady. And then I came along and I prayed with her to, to receive Christ. So I reap the many years of their sowing. But still, we must be steadfast. 1 Corinthians 15.58 that Edwin put up last week. Therefore, my beloved brothers, brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And then in Galatians 6, 6 verse 9 and 10, and let us not grow weary, of doing good, for in due season we will reap. It could be after our earthly life is over. In due season, if we, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, at the funeral, unfortunately, the lady who prayed to receive Christ with me, 88-year-old lady, died eight days later. And um, one of the nephews told me about another uncle that they had that they were witnessing to and they were so desperate and then he was in a coma. They talked to him, they sang, they read scripture to him while he was in a coma and the doctor said that he's not going to wake up from the coma, be prepared to pull out all the tubes and then he woke up. 
after he woke up, he was able to sit up in bed and able to talk to all the nephews and, and nieces. And he says, I decided to receive Christ. I said, what happened during your coma? He said, I saw Jesus in my dream while I was in a coma. And so these are the, the happy occasions where after sowing, you can see, you can reap. And so we continue to sow in faith, even for a man in coma. And, and the faith that, that our labor of time, of money, is not in vain, and there will come a reaping in due season. If not on earth, then in heaven. And I think that even in the first and the second bags of present and future of spending and saving, we can also uh, be sowing. And we can align them to sowing. What do I mean? Uh, a couple of verses to look through. Under spending, in Isaiah 58, verse 10, if you spend yourself, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. If you spend your time doing the whole life inventory to help all of us to get a better sense of the health of the church on the 19th of February, uh, if you spend your time and be trained in this Many, many sessions of evangelism, explosion, starting on Visak Day, 10th of May. If you spend your time learning the ACP, the advanced care planning, and spend your time advocating for it among your friends and even among the residents of Taban Gardens, and, and I just checked, we roughly have 160 campus every time we go out four times a year. Why don't more of us spend that time? And let's, let's have 260, and then we can cover even uh, more blocks. Spend ourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. The second bag about saving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, there is this verse, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I know I'm twisting the context somewhat and, and this is not about saving money either, although it's always good by all means to save some uh, if you twist the verse uh, wrongly. It's about bringing men and women to the Saviour. It's about wasting more time. As uh, Edwin pointed out last, last Sunday, it's about wasting more time being with people, especially in their time of need. You know, if you don't visit your colleagues or your colleagues' parents when they are sick, um, why would you think they would come to visit the church when you invite them to Easter and Christmas or to Elvacos? Why would that be? So it's about spending that time in order to save some. And then lastly, in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, sow, sowing, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, Break up your fellow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Although we are not farmers, we do know that before we can sow, we need to break up the fellow ground. We need to break up the hard, the hardened ground, the untouched ground of first our own hearts. So seek the Lord, turn to Him. And don't ever do anything this year without first turning to Him in prayer. And then He will come and rain righteousness upon us, helping us to do what is right, what is righteous. And whatever that right or righteous thing that the Lord has helped us to do, it will be sown for eternity.
So at the end of this year, why don't we look back as we have done last Sunday and we thank God, thank God for His love, His grace, that God would patiently wait and wait and wait for an 88-year-old to receive Him. That the Lord would open up paradise to that thief on the cross, that thief who probably hadn't done any good in his life at all and had never offered a word of praise to God at all, would at the last moment turn to Him and be received by God's love. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Why don't we look forward and obey God, obey God in the greatest commandment, to love God, to love our neighbour and ourselves. Obey God in the great commission to make disciples, but to, in order to do that, we ourselves need to be equipped through evangelism explosion, for example. Why don't we look around and serve God, waste more time, sow, sow righteousness, look around and see where all the needs are, and then serve Him. And then look up and trust God. We look up, we look at forward at what's ahead of us. Oh, challenging. If you do not want to use the word difficult, even if it is difficult, trust God. In spite of our busy schedules and all that, you commit yourself in the beginning of the year, I want to be trained and I want to spend my life. I want to sow. Trust God that He would help you. Okay? Let me invite uh, our musicians to come and help us with the closing song. As we just spend a moment in quiet before the Lord, would you look to Him in trust that this year, every year can be different. This year will be different because you are going to place your life in His hands. To spend, to save, and to sow to sow what is right. Because you've prayed about it and you know that it is right. It is righteous. And you can trust God that your labour is not in vain. And when you sow, you shall reap and He will rain righteousness upon you. Let's stand as we sing this closing song together.